Actually, uh, after that introduction, I feel like I need to read you uh, the proverb I most relate to. Um, the other day I was reading Proverbs in the New Living Translation, and I stumbled on a, a, a verse that I really personally could identify with. And it says, I'm weary, O God. Uh, I'm weary and worn out, O God. I am too stupid to be human. And I lack common sense. I really relate to that verse. I don't know about you, but that, that sort of describes me. Uh, I think that... Um, you know, the uh, the more you know, the more you're convinced how little you know of that which is to know about our almighty God and King. And uh, arrogance has no place whatsoever before his throne. None of us can stand before the throne of God or draw close to him, and not be totally humbled by his love and forgiveness for us and how merciful he is uh, toward us continuously. So, uh, yeah, I have no idea. I was telling Kathy, you'd think after 50 years of doing this, I would get used to it, but I am extremely nervous about what I'm going to try to share with you this morning. Um, and I, I, I really pray that the Lord will help me share what is his heart and in a way that will not unnecessarily offend anyone. Uh, but I have, I've really struggled for the last two weeks trying to figure out how I could say what is in my heart about the time in which we live. And so, um, you know, I, I, Lord, I just ask you to help me not hurt anybody today, but to really reveal your heart. Um... In late 2016, the Oxford Dictionary Committee selected post-truth as the word of the year, defining it as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Now, I got that quote off of the Pew Research Center's webpage. And uh, as I was reading that, I was reminded of the interview that Jesus had with Pontius Pilate the night he was about to be crucified. And um, I didn't put this in the I didn't really realize I was going to use these verses until this morning. I'm not very good at knowing what I'm going to say in advance. I've always admired those who can do that, but I never know until the moment. Um, 
You know, Jesus is dragged into uh, Pontius Pilate's chamber, and um, uh, Pilate says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, Is this your own question, or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate reported, uh, retorted, Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, So you're a king? You got a kingdom? So are you saying you're a king? And Jesus responded, You say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And then Pilate asked, What is truth? And um, the commentators that have discussed these passages for hundreds of years sort of read into the tone of what Pilate was asking there, I think, their own inclinations. Some people think it was a sarcastic question. Well, what's truth? Who's going to know truth? Other people think it reflected some of the Greek philosophies of his day. What is truth? But I think almost all of us today are in a quandary about what's true about what's going on in the world. Today, everybody is asking what's true. And it really is not that easy to find out. It's really not. I'm, 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 I'm struggling a little bit because I don't know which, which road to, to take here to try. The, uh, Yogi, you, you, anybody know who Yogi Berra was? Yeah. Famous New York philosopher, <laughs> professional uh, baseball. Uh, baseball player. He was catcher when I was a kid, played for the New York Yankees. I despise the New York Yankees because they always won in the 50s, you know. So I rooted for anybody and everybody but the Yankees, you know, but... Yogi Berra had some witticisms that went down uh, 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 in time, you know. And he says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> now, not many people know the backstory about Yogi Berra's statement. It sounds kind of stupid, doesn't it? When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Well, he was giving somebody directions to his house, and his house was on a circular drive. So when you got up to the fork in the road, it didn't matter whether you went to the left or the right, you were going to wind up at Yogi's house. And so I'm hoping I get to the right destination because I don't know whether to go this way or that way to try to get to my point this morning. But yesterday, it was... It was uh, I want to establish this. I'm, I, I'm going to give away what I'm trying to do here, okay? And, and maybe you can help me along the process. 
I want to establish that we are currently in a spiritual battle. Okay? And this battle is going to go on for years and years. It's a global spiritual conflict that runs much deeper, broader, and is more insidious than our current little political shenanigans going on in the United States. We are in something that is being orchestrated on a worldwide basis. And we have to understand that what we are in is not a political struggle or a cultural struggle or a United States struggle, but it is the spiritual battle at the end of the age. Pope Benedict XVI uh, said that a progressive and profoundly anti-Christian militancy is steadily overtaking society. A worldwide dictatorship of seemingly humanistic ideologies that pushes dissenters to the margin of society. He called this a manifestation of the spiritual power of the Antichrist. I think that is a good illustration of the battle that we're in today. Um, I've, I read a book recently, it was called Live Not By Lies, and it's written by um, a Christian journalist named Rod Dreher. And he says uh, about this spiritual battle, he actually quoted um, Pope Benedict there, and he says, this spiritual power takes material form in government and private institutions, in corporations, in academia, and media, and in the changing practices of everyday American life. It is empowered by unprecedented technological capabilities to surveil private life, and I would add, and control the flow of information. There's virtually nowhere left to hide. There is nothing about your life that is secret or private anymore. Uh, yesterday, as, as I was preparing for this message, I rem- I, because I want to get it, at the end, I want to talk about the, the advice that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter Just before their deaths, they knew that they were going to be uh, uh, 
executed by Nero, an insane Roman emperor. They knew that that was coming. That was going to be their future pretty soon. And I want to get to, you know, how they died and what their counsel was for the believers in their day, knowing that these were going to be the last words that they were going to get to say to their followers. You know, so that, that made it kind of an important thing. And, and I remembered that there were some details about the death of Paul that I had somewhere back in my memory, and, and, but I couldn't remember. Uh, as you'll remember, eventually Peter, when he died, he was crucified upside down. So Peter was crucified upside down, but church tradition says that Paul... Being a Roman citizen, it was illegal in the Roman Empire for Paul as a Roman citizen to suffer torture. So he couldn't be crucified by Roman law. He had to be killed. A Roman citizen who committed a a capital crime could be punished by death, but they couldn't be tortured. They had to be given a merciful death which was either cutting your head off or a centurion who loved you, killing you with a sword. And so I wanted to look up those details and refresh my memory about who thought what about how Paul actually died because it's not mentioned in Scripture. And so I was working in my Word document. I did not have a browser open to the Internet. I was walking and I put the question down, What were the details of Paul's death in my Word document? And then I decided to look that up on the Internet. And so I I went out of Word, and I opened up Firefox, and I went to Google search, and I typed in, what were the details? And it automatically filled in about the death of the Apostle Paul. Somebody's listening. Last night, I was having dinner with the Faldos and Doug and Ann Murdoch. Hey, Doug and Ann and Larry, they they said they weren't coming today, but they would watch. But anyway, we were sitting there last night, and we were having dinner, and Doug was getting sort of rowdy, and he said something. And all of a sudden, from his pocket, the phone says, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. I was also going to look up some of the things because um, I, I was real interested in, in, in talking about uh, what's going on in China. Did you know that in Cambodia, I've got friends in Cambodia, there are missionaries in Cambodia, and the Chinese government has told the people in Cambodia that the coronavirus was uh, a weaponized military attack against the world by the U.S. Army. And so that's what the population in Cambodia is being told, that it was uh, biological warfare against China perpetrated by the U.S. military. 
Now, many of us think that the information that we're getting, uh, it's really hard to know what the truth is, isn't it? And so I, I wanted to look up some of the, the stuff about uh, the three self church in China and some of the doctrines that I think I remember someone telling me that they what could be preached in China, what couldn't be preached in China, and one thing or another. And I went on Google search, and you know I could find nothing negative at all about the three self church in China. It, it, on, if you go on Wikipedia... Or, or you go on anything related to a Google search about the official state church in China, it, it's the third largest Protestant denomination, and they have the purest doctrine in the world, and it's wonderful, and it keeps imperialistic forces from uh, messing it all up. Um, it's... We live in a very interesting era. But I think what is its attack is, is something that's related to this. Um, do, does anybody know who Alexander Solzhenitsyn was? He's, he's gone now. He was a, a Russian war hero. He was a captain in the, the Russian army, fought against the Germans in World War II, but then when communism started taking over Russia, he became a dissenter. And, and he did not like what he saw about the societal control from socialism and communism. And he wrote a book that was called The Gulag Archipelago, which was about what was going on in Russia. And many people considered that to be the most influential nonfiction book written in the 20th century. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. And while he was still in prison, I think, in uh, Siberia, uh, in, in Siberia, he suffered for, I think, 13 years he was in Siberia, prison camp. And, but he, he accumulated all these stories from all the people who had been persecuted by communism in Russia and wrote it down in this book called The Gulag Archipelago. And, uh, and so um, this is a, a quote from him. It says, We cannot hope to resist the coming... So after he had been exiled to the United States... His being world famous because winning the Nobel Prize, he got exiled in the United States. And he said this at a conference in Washington, D.C. after he was in the U.S. He says, we cannot hope to resist the coming soft totalitarianism if we do not have our spiritual lives in order. The core of the crisis that created and sustained communism was not political, but spiritual. Propaganda helps change the world by creating a false impression of how the world is. And then Rob Dreyer in his book, Live Not By Lies, and the title of, of that book, Live Not By Lies, he got from the last essay that Solzhenitsyn wrote to 
the people living in Soviet Russia. He says, the government can be full of lies, but you must not live by those lies. Don't let the forces around you cause you to survive by living a lie. I see Crystal's with me back there. I mean, she's one of my personal heroes recently. You know, I, uh, I think most of us in here believe that uh, to kill unborn children and call that good is nothing but a satanic lie. But it has been sold to our society to the point that if you deny the right to abortion, it means you're being mean to women. You see how that's twisted? That's twisted. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it and develop enough courage to stand in the face of the onslaught, not just of one political party or the other political party here in the United States, but worldwide there is an anti-Christ spirit alive that is trying to distort the truth. And we have to, we have to come into such a relationship with the Lord and the body of Christ that we can resist that cultural shift that's coming. Does that make any sense? This, this, I'll... Also, uh, this comes from Rod Dreyer in Live Not By Lies again. This book was written when people from the ex-Union uh, of the Socialist Republics of Russia had come to him and says, uh, when Roe versus Wade was passed, he saw a trend in the United States and all of these people that were from the Czech Republic and from Hungary and from Poland, they came to him and they says, it's starting here in the United States. That was kind of like a gate that was opened. And it has slowly embedded itself into our society and is beginning to take hold in all kinds of other uh, transgender, alphabet soup, LGBT, XYN plus kind of things, you know, um, where... Um, he says, how did people in the old Union of the Socialists, uh, Soviet Socialist Republics keep hold of reality under communist conditions when they were being persecuted? How did they know not only what to remember, but how to remember it? The answer was to create distinct small communities, especially families and religious fellowships, in which it was possible both to speak truthfully and to embody truth. 
I believe that this community of believers is vitally important to the future of our nation. Not just river life. I'm not just talking about river life. I'm talking about the thousands, the tens of thousands of communities of believers who, who confess. Now, I am not sure that this is true, but I think one of the doctrines that is prohibited in the three-self church in China is to, to, to preach that God created the heavens and the earth. I tried to confirm that and couldn't. Um, but I was told that at one point. We know in whom we have believed. There is a moral absolute that we believe in. We believe that right is right and wrong is wrong. And that which was wrong in the past is wrong in the future. There is an absolute and eternal, immutable, unchangeable, righteous God at the center of all the universe. And if you believe that, if you have bought into that, it will change the way you believe and interact with the community of people around you. Now, I've seen it. I've seen it at work in this congregation over the years. I know the challenges that many of the people sitting here and some of you guys sitting at home have faced, and not everything has gone smooth in our lives. I've had some trouble. Have you? There's that, old, that, that saying, all God's children got trouble. You know, and, and I would add to that, and if you think they don't, you don't know their whole story. It's really true. If we as Christians do not speak out as authoritarian governments grow from within or come from outside, eventually we or our children will be the enemy of the society and the state. No totalitarian authority nor authoritarian state can tolerate those who have an absolute by which to judge that state and its actions. It's a mouthful. That's why I was trying to go slow. Let's run through it one more time. If we as Christians do not speak out as authoritarian governments grow from within or come from outside, eventually we or our children, either this generation or the next generation, will be the enemy of society and the state. No totalitarian authority nor authoritarian state can tolerate those who have an absolute by which to judge that state and its actions. You can no longer hold the position of a tenured professor in a major university 
unless you live by lies. Unless you bow, unless you confess to the lies that are being sold to the American public today, you cannot retain your position in any major university in the United States. And those major universities are the centers of learning that are forming the belief systems for the next generation. That doesn't sound like good news, does it? But I'm convinced that it is. I have known for 40 years that the Lord wanted to divide the spirit from the flesh in the church. And I had hope that it would happen through the sword of the word rather than the sword of circumstance. But I believe that we shall be purified by the sword of circumstance. We are going to be forced during my lifetime into taking a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. I believe that we are going to see a greater difference, a glaring contrast between those who follow Jesus and those who don't. And this will allow people who have been called by the Father to his house of mercy to recognize the difference between the children of light, and the children of darkness. Don't throw tomatoes at me yet. (laughs) The interesting thing that I noticed is is that I'm going to read some some scriptures here from 2 Timothy and from 2 Peter. And... um, These are the words of, uh, now, okay, this is, I want to give a little bit of background information. We believe that Nero was the Roman emperor who was responsible for both the death of Paul and of Peter. Now, Nero uh, killed his own mother, okay, and then... We don't have for sure, for certain of this, but it was reported by many historians of his day that then he actually kicked his pregnant wife to death. And then, and excuse me, but I need to tell it the way it is. I'm going to tell it as as, as acceptably for large audiences as I can. Then Nero, after he kicked his pregnant wife to death, married a young boy who looked like his wife and had the doctors perform a sex change operation on him and married that young boy. (laughs) 
then it's widely reported that he burned down three districts in Rome because he wanted to build a bigger palace for himself. And then he blamed it on the Christians. And so he burned a lot of Christians at the stake in retribution for burning down the city, which he did. Was that a bad guy? I think that is worse than any of the political candidates we got on the field today. I don't care what you believe about either one of them. I think that was pretty bad. But neither Paul nor Peter badmouthed the emperor. I remember my dear, beloved friend, Noah Manyika, when I was going to, uh, with him to Zimbabwe for the first time on the plane, I'll, I'll never forget one of the things he said to me. He says, Jim, now when you go to Zimbabwe, you've got to understand that we are a culture of respect. People will embarrass you respecting you as a minister of the word. Man, I had... People carry my, they wouldn't even let me carry my Bible into the room, you know. And it was really, for a hillbilly, that was kind of embarrassing, you know. But he says, but you've got to remember this. Unless you know how to show respect, you're not worthy of respect in our culture. We need to respect those that are in authority. Here was Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, standing in front of Pilate. Pilate is getting ready to sentence him to death. Pilate Pilate eventually goes out, what is truth? And then he goes out and says, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. But then the crowd swayed him. And out of fear of his own political position, he comes back in and is going to pronounce Jesus to death, you know, a sentence of death. But uh, And when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have power to release you or crucify you? Jesus didn't act disrespectful. He said, then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Okay? Jesus, at the point of going to the cross, still thought that Almighty God, his Father, was in control. I think that we need to comfort our hearts 
and believe that no matter how disappointed or how enraged or how happy we are about what's going on in the political realm in our nation, that we see that this that we are involved in is greater than politics. It is a spiritual thing and that God is in control. And there would not be anyone in authority unless God had permitted or ordained it. Okay, you can throw stuff at me now. I do not believe that any degree of corruption can change what God has foreordained. And we, at some point, are going to have to face up to the difference between charismatic, wishful thinking and the word of the Lord. That may be a difficult thing to confront. Okay, let's get to some scripture, okay? We need some space in the room. I think in these words, you and I can find a game plan for the day in which we live. I believe these last words of Paul and Peter to the church are the things that we need to take to heart so that we can see what the Lord is up to in our day. Because the Lord is up to something. Now, just like in, in, in Hebrews 30, I'm the stupidest guy in the room here. I confess I don't understand what he's up to. But this I am convinced of. He's still in control. Second Timothy chapter 4. Um, beginning in verse 1. This is Paul's last counsel to his uh, associate pastor, sidekick, uh, disciple, whatever you want to call Timothy. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, Preach the word of God. Please share your faith with anyone and everyone that God gives you an opportunity to talk to. Now is not the time to remain silent. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. I don't think any of us think we're living in a very favorable time right now. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. All of the big tech boys up at Facebook and Instagram, 
are conforming to that very scripture, they're feeding each and every one of us what we already want to hear. That's the only news that gets through to you. Whatever your inclination is, they'll feed it. I think that is a fulfillment of this prophecy contained in Paul's counsel to Timothy. We're in an age of itching ears. We want to hear only what conforms to what we already believe. And I'm telling you, big tech is stroking us. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. <laughs> Conspiracy theories abound. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Each and every believer has a sphere of influence. You have people around you that will listen to you, that you can speak words of life to. Pray earnestly. I'm praying this. Lord, open my eyes and open my heart and open my mouth in this time to proclaim the truth, the limited little bit of glimpse of truth that Jimmy has. I want to be able to give to somebody and bless them. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Can you say with me, Maranatha? Maranatha, come, Lord, come quickly. Save us. Get us out of this mess we're in. Come, Lord, while there's a remnant that believes. Come, Lord. I would love to see him appear. I'm voting for it. Now I want to read Peter's last little bit of advice from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 15. And I, I probably have read this to you before. I read it continuously to myself. This is like one of my ten top favorite Bible passages. I love this. Uh, it makes the Christian life fairly simple. And I need simple things. Simple-minded country boy needs simple things. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You've got it. You've got it. He's already given it. But the enemy is constantly trying to convince us that we don't have all we need. But the Bible says you do. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Do you know him? 
The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. We call that the mutable characteristics of God. There are certain characteristics of God that he wishes to impart to us. I've said for years that one of my main challenges is is that I'm not omnipresent. Because I usually have one or two people mad at me because I'm some, not somewhere that I'm supposed to be. And I can only be in one place at a time. You know, But there are certain characteristics that God can impart to us. He wants to give to us. His loving nature. His merciful heart. He wants to impart to each and every one of us a heart of mercy, even toward our enemies. He has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We see corruption in others and we're repulsed by it. Lord, grant us the, the mercy to be delivered from all internal corruptions. May the meditations of my heart, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence. Strive for moral excellence, even in the smallest things. And moral excellence, add to it knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. Now there's a big word. And godliness with brotherly affection. I'm telling you, I look, do you, do you guys have this experience frequently at this church, as, as we're worshiping the Lord and, and everything, and you look around the room and you think, oh my God, I love those people. And it, even an old hardcore boy like me, I get kind of sentimental about it. You know, and I just look at you and I see you as lovely and, and beautiful people uh, that I'm happy to be in the room with. That's that brotherly affection. Don't you think God wants us to feel that? Isn't it a pitiful state of affairs to know that many people in the United States do not belong to a faith community where they have that ooey-gooey sweet feeling? They feel alone. Mother Teresa said the biggest need in America was loneliness. That we live isolated from each other in the midst of wealth. But to brotherly affection, add love for one another. 
The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. I want to encourage you. Develop these things. I want to encourage you. Read through this passage and say, Lord, uh, give me greater understanding of these things. And by your Holy Spirit, cause them to become part of the fiber of my being so that they become my natural state of affairs. I want to continually be transformed into being more and more like Him. I don't want to die some old curmudgeon guy, you know, some old angry redneck. So often in my private thoughts, I'll, I'll find myself responding to people harshly or in a critical way. And, and I don't even want to have those thoughts. God most of the time keeps me from whacking somebody in the head. But, you know, it's, I don't even want to have the th- urge. I'm sorry, I'm getting off kilter here. I'll, I'll clean up and... So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, and here's, here's Peter getting personal. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them, I haven't said a single new thing to you all morning long. I understand that. I had a theology professor once that told me anything new can't be true. He said, God's already revealed it all. But I want to encourage you to stand firm in the truth as you've been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life so that I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. This was Peter in a very tender and personal way saying, I don't have much longer with you. But this is the stuff that's really important. And I want to say that I see these things in you. I see these things being manifested, maybe imperfectly, but in this community of believers that we call home. This is my home church. You know, uh, I see these things in you. But I just wanted this morning to encourage you. Take heart. God is at work in our nation and around the world. His kingdom is coming. 
His will is being established in us and in the nations. Dean tried to steal my little Hanukkah blessing, but I'm going to reach back and grab it. If I can find it. I thought I had it. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. Back in the day, um, Kathy and I were able to help uh, some Messianic believers from New York, Barry and Beth Mivrock, adopt a little pair of wine girl. And uh, um, Tolly was a year old and couldn't sit up and couldn't walk and was, uh, had malnutrition and probably was going to die, but the Lord rescued her. And now she's married to a worship leader's son at a Messianic congregation in Israel. And so I got, uh, uh, her parents were living in New York at the time, but they eventually made Aliyah and moved back to, to Israel. And, and they've been living over there for quite a number of years now. And so uh, Barry wrote me a Hanukkah greeting this past week that I just want to read it to you. Because I think it really has a, a very sweet encouragement from the Lord for us in this day. It says, the celebration of Hanukkah reminds us of the time in Jewish history when an insignificantly small band of rebel fighters called the Maccabees stood up against the greatest power of the then known world. With God's help, they miraculously triumphed after years of conflict against the Seleucid Empire and secured freedom and liberty for themselves and future generations. It is also told in the story's narrative that there was only enough oil to burn for one day of the reclaimed temple menorah displaying God's presence. But God sustained the light for eight days until more oil could be obtained and sanctified. As a result of this light that would not go out this season is also called a festival of lights. What a story of redemption. And all seems hopeless. During these times when there is vast darkness in the world, it is our opportunity to strengthen and uphold our faith for a brighter and more hopeful future. This Hanukkah, as we light the flames of our menorah, let us freely spread that light to those around us. Let us fight darkness as individual candles, joining together to help one another as one. And may we all shine brightly with God's light in our hearts. From the hills of Haradar to you, we wish you a brilliant Hanukkah and a blessed season of light, peace, and love. And that's, that really is what I want to encourage you with. Let your light shine brightly. Do not put it under any kind of a covering in this season. Because as the times get more and more desperate, those who are hungry to know the Lord will come running to you. They will come running. This is the day that the Lord is going to bring in a harvest because many hearts are going to be failing 
but we have the hope and the light of the world in us. Be encouraged and see the Lord move. Bless you. By the way, did you fi- figure out which way Paul was killed? Was he, do you know? My suspicion is, is that one of the centurions that had become a believer during his time of incarceration probably executed him mercifully with a sword. That's why. My personal opinion. I just want to say it's really important to be right, but it's more important to do right. It really is. Um, I've been watching so many videos of what's going on around the world of people that I agree with their stand that they are right, but watching the tactics. I don't see them doing right, and I don't want to be associated with that. I really feel like what Jim said today was very important that he said it today. You know, if you're a wrestler or a boxer or an MMA fighter or belong to one of the different branches of our military, you don't start training the day that you go in for the fight. You got to start training way before the fight. And I think a lot of what was said today about deciding, deciding where will you stand when the rubber starts hitting the road, when there's real consequences for taking the stand on the side of the Lord, where will you be? That day isn't the day to make that decision. This day is the day to make that decision. I think we really need to be spending our time thinking about that decision. Um, Do we still do ministry team? We do. Can we have the ministry team come up then? (laughs) I haven't been in church in a few weeks. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for our brother. Most of all, thank you for you. And I just want to pray a Hanukkah prayer. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kidshanu lahadik ner Hanukkah. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe. Actually, I left some of that out. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kidshanu bemezvatsevitzivanu. Lahadik Ner Shell Hanukkah. Sorry, I know you guys all caught that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we are blessing the Lord God, the King of the universe, who sanctifies us, Bashem Yeshua Hamashiach, by Jesus the Messiah, and commands us to kindle the Hanukkah lights. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, including courage, I encourage you to come up for prayer. Amen. You can be dismissed.